everybody get up it's time to slam now this is a little spooky podcast about things that spook us just a little bit things like aliens cryptids conspiracies or when you start to look like your dog my name is everett and i'm colleen you know they say that people choose dogs that look like themselves we have a boxer, <laughs> um, and I feel like I'm getting an underbite. I was going to say, I hope you're not referring to me. No, We're going to have no, some words. I was referring to myself. <laughs> um, off topic, though, before we get started. Actually, first, I just want to say, Colleen's doing another episode this week. She's doing another one two weeks in a row because I'm working on something. It's probably a little more long form. So I'll be at you next week. But that aside, unrelated thing. Colleen. What do you think is a fair price for an extremely rare video game? Oh, God. I'm not the person to ask this question. No, I know, but like, just like if you're going to see it in the news, what would you think is like a fair price for like a sought after item that is a. Is this seal- like a one of a kind? It's not one of a kind, but it is now so rare that it's extremely hard to come by. Um. Uh, $5,000? So last April, a record was set for the highest amount paid for a single video game. This one in question in April was sold for $660,000. Oh, Jesus. And it was a copy of the original Super Mario Brothers. And I am guessing this man will never open it and play it. No, because it's sealed. Like, it's that's the purpose. That's uh. why it's so expensive. You can find a bunch of copies of the original why? nintendo why would you okay the the reason the video game is created is to be played so why would you clutter up your house with some unopened old ass game when you could buy new ones and play them but wait for this last friday that record was beat oh god a copy of the original legend of zelda also unopened and in mint condition was sold for $870,000. But wait, two days later, that record was beat one more time for a copy of Super Mario 64, unopened, sealed, mint condition, for $1.56 million. Oh my God. Okay. I, I'm not like dissing collectors, but if I spent all that time working on creating a game, I don't want freaking sealed copies i want you to play the game i don't disagree with you but the thing is these games are widely available and easy to play on various different systems what are you going to do with a sealed copy keep it pristine oh my god it's it's like that saturday night live sketch where the star wars toys came out and it turns out the only people who wanted to buy them were 30 year old men and they bought three copies one for playing with one for having in a case and one for just in case <laughs> the thing is <laughs> you what la- a waste of it, space. It, it is stupid and ridiculous but the thing is you laugh at that but these people just made a bunch of money for keeping it pristine Yes, uh, there's something to be said for that. I just, it kind of hurts my soul a little bit. Is it haunted? Does it, is it filled with gold? But like, it could be filled with gold, like Schrodinger's gold copy. You'll have to buy it to find out. Well, ugh, that's, I hate it. That's, I just wanted to open with that, even though it's not a little spooky, other than the fact that people are wasting their money on this. But hey, buy some real I, estate. It, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I agree there. Uh, but what are we talking about today? 
Today, we are talking about an urban legend slash conspiracy, the best kind. We are going back in time to JFK. World War II. Nope. And we are talking about the Philadelphia Experiment. Like their cheesesteak. Yeah. And their cream cheese. Got some... <laughs> I suppose it's probably made in Philadelphia, but I just never really put two and two together. Do you know anything about this story? No, not at all. Okay. I don't think I've ever even heard of it. Really? Okay. This is one of America's most uh, like popular and enduring conspiracies slash urban legends. So in 1955, an author and astronomer named Morris Jessup wrote a mildly successful book called The Case for the UFO. Essentially, I mean, it, it, the title speaks for itself. He makes a case for the existence of alien UFOs and theories about their like mysterious methods of propulsion, which is pretty apropos for today, since we have recently heard a government report about unidentified aerial phenomenon with strange means of propulsion. Right. Unable to explain it. Yes. So that was an issue way back in the 50s as well. This is an enduring mystery. So in his book, he argues that UFOs at least merit further study and they should be taken more seriously than, you know, people generally do. Right. He covers as part of his evidence the concept of unified field theory. Have you ever heard of that? No, okay. I don't think so. I mean, if you kind of explain it to sure. me, I, I might get it, but like, I, sure. I've never heard of it. Okay, so this is, as far as I could understand it, because these sorts of concepts go way over my head, but it's a theory that has never been proven that attempts to combine Einstein's general theory of relativity with electromagnetism. Okay. So basically, the theory is you can merge the gravitational field and an electromagnetic field into one fundamental field. It's an unproven theory. I think Einstein had a part in creating it. Like theorizing Theorizing it. it. Yeah. Right. Morris Jessup in his book offers this unified field theory as a potential explanation for the mysterious nature of UFOs, how they might propel themselves. And, you know, maybe if we could just figure that out, UFOs might not be such a mystery at all. Sure. Just science yeah. we haven't figured out yet. So this book was self-researched, and it was one of several books that Morris Jessup attempted to write about the topic of UFOs. And this one ended up being, like, mildly successful. I've, I've never heard of it. But, but this I, is also decades old. Too. Yes, right. I think it just got around certain circles. Sure. People read it. Yeah, yeah. A year after his book came out, like, he was enjoying the moderate success of the book and then, you know, started writing his new book, moved on. A year after it came out, he started getting mysterious handwritten letters in the mail. Over 50 of them. And they're from the same person, a man named Carl M. Allen, who also goes by the pseudonym Carlos Miguel Allende. And I'm going to call him... Allende, because that's how most resources refer to him. Sure. Now, what caught Allende's attention was the concept of unified field theory. And he basically, in his letters, just scoffed at Jessup about his naivety 
and his naive understanding of unified field theory. Allende claimed to have been taught about unified field theory by Albert Einstein himself. And not only did he study this concept under the smartest man alive at the time, he claimed that he's actually witnessed unified field theory in action and is like able to say it is a proven, proven theory. Can you say that? Sure, I so, guess. So here's what he saw. He, he describes to Jessup his proof, quote unquote proof. In July of 1943, 12 years prior to this first letter to Jessup, mm. America was all mixed up in World War II mm -hmm. and we're trying to stay ahead of German U-boats. Right. To keep up with them, a new destroyer was being built in the Philadelphia Naval Shipyard called the USS Eldridge. This boat was actually fitted with mysterious generators as part of a top secret plan to win the Battle of the Atlantic. I don't think that the crew even generally knew what the generators were for, but there were generators. Eldridge was a real ship and there were generators placed onto it. It's a very interesting choice of name. The Eldridge? Yeah. Yeah. The crew didn't know what these generators were for, but... I mean, they were aware of their existence and rumors started spreading among them about what they might be for. And the rumor was that these generators were meant to create some kind of magnetic field that would make the ship invisible to enemy radar. Which, I mean, like, that's not out there in terms of some, uh, an experiment you might want to try. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's possible, but... It's definitely worth trying out, I guess. Right. I mean, if if you were to come up to me and be like, hey, uh, the government is trying to make themselves invisible to enemy radar. I'd be like, cool, that sounds like something eventually we could do, maybe. Sure. It doesn't. It's not out of the realm of possibility no, to me. No, no. But from what I understand, there was another rumor going around that they were going to use some version of the unified field theory to bend light around the ship via refraction, essentially rendering the ship invisible to the human eye. Sure. Okay. I don't know how that would work with radar. I don't know how radar works. Yeah, I don't know if that would <laughs> necessarily work with radar, but it would work with, like, yeah, visuals. Like. Right. So those are the rumors spreading around. On the day that this generator system was tested... Allende was actually at the Philadelphia shipyard. He was docked there with a clear view of the SS Eldridge on the SS Andrew Furuseth. He claims that when the generators on the SS Eldridge were flipped on, the SS Eldridge completely disappeared from the shipyard. Some of the witnesses reported seeing like a greenish fog mm -hmm. in its place. It seemed like it worked. But not quite in the way that they expected. Eventually, the generators were turned off and the ship reappeared. But one sailor ended up an entire deck level below where he was when the switch was flipped on. And he had his hand melded with and embedded into the hull of the ship. 
Yeah, I see. I see exactly. I see on your face. I, I, I don't think if, if this theory were possible, I don't think that's how it would work at all. I mean, all it is doing is bending light around a certain area. Right, right. Well, this is what Allende claims. Sure. And this is his quote unquote proof. Other crew members complained of severe nausea and still more were said to have experienced like later mental breakdowns. I guess I can imagine a mental breakdown if you're like invisible all of a sudden. I don't know. Um, I don't know if you would be able, like if, if this were real and if you were inside the ship, I don't know if it would really affect you much. Yeah, I would imagine you'd, the ship would be the same to you. It's the light refracting around the ship itself. Right. So if you were within that like actual like, shield i am i'm imagining like a ball like a shield ball that's encompassing the ship and that's mm-hmm. what's being refactored around it if you're like on the perimeter of it you know it might mess with you a little bit but if you're just right. in the ship i can't see how that would do anything especially melding people with the ship yeah so unless i'm not grasping what the what actual theory is like it just doesn't make too much sense to me no, it doesn't. But let's just assume um, Allende clearly believes this story. Right. So this is the story he's telling. I'm assuming that because of its effect on the crew members, the Navy took a short break from testing out this theory again. But I mean, they effectively made a giant destroyer invisible. So there's like no way the United States military is going to be like, well, that didn't work. Right. So and I wouldn't even say it's invisible. It's like camouflage yes. because you would be able to if you're close enough to it, you'd be able to tell it's there based on like the lights and like moving around it and like refracting like what's on the other side of it. Mm-hmm. I assume that's how it works. Mm-hmm. So like you'll see like if it's on the horizon, you'll it won't be like a straight line of sky to see. It would be like kind of like a curve right. to it. What I'm saying is if this sort of technology existed and they had a moderately successful experiment, there's no way, regardless of the cost of human life, that the military is not going to pursue that oh, technology. Of course. So regardless of the consequences that apparently occurred to the crew members, three months later, they redo the experiment. When they flipped the switch this time, the SS Eldridge not only became completely invisible, but there was a large flash of blue light and it completely disappeared. 200 miles away in Norfolk, Virginia, witnesses on a boat hanging out over there saw the Eldridge spontaneously appear. After some time, a few minutes at least, they say that there was a significant amount of time where they saw the ship like hanging out. After a few minutes, it disappeared again and it reappeared back at the Philadelphia shipyard, but 10 minutes prior to the experiment. So it Mm -hmm. not only traveled in space, but in time. So were there two ships if it arrived 10 minutes before it started? So that's my problem. There is no mention of that. Or is it like alternating the timeline? So it's like the ship like the original ship disappears and the ship that already traveled through space and time just takes its place. So it's like alternating the timeline. I'm not sure. And you know what? It's possible that I just didn't understand because everything just said 10 minutes back in time. So it's possible that the ship went to Norfolk, Virginia and was there for 10 minutes and then then like looked at a clock and then disappeared again and 
they were 10 minutes behind. Or, or maybe they just came back to the exact moment they disappeared the first right. time. So like they're just going back. Right. But if that's the case, then. Then what's his name wouldn't have seen it disappear. Yes. So questionable at best. <laughs> but that means it was in two places at once then. Because it was both in Philadelphia and in Norfolk, Virginia. Right. Yes. I suppose if that's like in any time travel movie, that's like always the case where there's like, you know, going into the future or the past and you see yourself. Right. So I'm not sure entirely how this time travel thing worked, but apparently it was able to travel through space and time, which did not have a good, good effect on the crew again. Mental disorders and nausea were apparently reported, but this time some people were physically fused to the ship's bulkheads and others were completely turned inside out when they rematerialized in Philadelphia and others just vanished off the ship. I would like to see this. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. I, if, if this happened, I, I don't necessarily want to see like the people that were turned inside out, but I want to see like how they were fused into the ship, like what that looks like. Right. Yes. I. There aren't any pictures. There's no, no physical kidding. proof. No kidding. <laughs> but hold on. It gets interesting. It's already interesting. It's just a little silly to me. Yes, it is. It's, it sounds completely outlandish. So this this whole thing seems like it would be a majorly huge event, right? Like tra time travel and invisibility. And not only that, there were witnesses and not just the people on the adjacent ships like Allende, but the crew of the Eldritch itself experienced all of this. Like, of course, they would have seen their own crew members turn inside out and fuse to the ship. So why would no one have come forward at all in the 12 years between the time of it happening and Allende writing letters to Jessup? Here come the men in black. Right. OK. Oh, really? Yes. So one theory that gets corroborated later is brainwashing and a government cover-up. So the government obviously would not want knowledge of this technology to get out because, you know, mm -hmm. it's secret. Right. You want to keep it to yourself, especially during wartime. And even worse, they wouldn't want people to know that they were using their own citizens, their own crewmen as guinea as pigs, guinea pigs yeah. in the experiment. Do you think this is why, like, a decade or two later, they're doing MKUltra experiments to try and, like, control people's minds so they can, like, make people forget these types of experiments? Yeah. I don't I don't know. But after learning about MKUltra, as outlandish as this is, pieces of it could happen. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem completely out of the realm. Now, melding yourself with a ship, yes, out of the realm of possibility. But some strange experiment that may have had adverse effects on the crew that, you know, the government didn't want people I, to know about. Yes, that could have definitely happened. I definitely happened. could see the American government during World War II trying to stick some, like, radiated material on a ship in an effort to make it invisible. Like, just trying weird shit like that. Because right. Germany definitely did stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, not this specifically, but they were doing weird experiments and that's mm -hmm. proven. So I'm sure we were trying that too and probably the Russians. So Yeah. Well, think of the atomic bomb. Like that in itself is like crazy technology. Like yeah. they're just Project Manhattan. They're just developing as much as they possibly can to get ahead. So it it 
would not surprise me if there was some strange attempt, attempt that would have been covered up. And maybe, maybe Allende was brainwashed and this is what came back to him. I don't know. That's a. Yeah. Maybe they a, tried to give him a story that's like so unbelievable. Nobody would believe it. Right. Possibly. Regardless of why the story never came out. Allende is coming out with it now. Unified field theory is an actual scientific concept that fascinated Jessup. And the idea of government experiments in invisibility during World War II, as we said, isn't out completely outlandish. Sure. Yeah. So maybe that's kind of the thought process that Jessup went through because he wanted to believe this. Like he went through a very thorough investigation of Allende's claims. But being logical, he could not find anything that would physically prove even the smallest part of this story. So he was like, listen, Carlos, cool story for reals, but like Pixar, it didn't happen. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Allende never, ever sent him any physical evidence. So Jessup gave up and he moved on. Yeah, of course. Why not? And that should be the end of the story, right? Cool story, bro. No. Just as Jessup had given up on Allende's story, he was contacted by two officers from the Navy's Office of Naval Research. And this is verifiable. The, the Office of Naval Research put out an information sheet about this interaction that you can access. So, And, and uh, about what <clears throat> year is this? I'm sorry. It's like... 1956. Okay. So... They reach out to Jessup and they say, look, dude, we got a really weird package in the mail. Like, this just showed up anonymously. And it was a copy of Jessup's book, The Case for UFOs. I mean, the book itself, getting the book in the mail isn't like that interesting. Weird, but not super interesting. But when they opened it up, they saw that the book was completely covered in handwritten notes and annotations. So like edits. Like somebody had been reading it and wrote notes in the sides, not not edits to the actual text. Okay. Or if they were making edits to the actual text, it was like to clarify something or maybe to correct something that they thought Jessup got wrong. Right. Yeah, that's what I was getting at. Okay. Yes. So... Just it's covered in these annotations. The notes in the book actually appeared to be written by three different people in three different shades of pink ink. That's not relevant. I just think it's weird that they would choose pink. And why would you have three different shades of pink? Unless they're like really into scrapbooking or something. Well, or I was thinking if it's three different people writing it, they may have different pressure when writing. That's true. So it might be the same thing. I don't know. Well, nobody knows who these people are. One of the individuals who wrote in there is referred to as Jemmy, J-E-M-I, but the other two are completely nameless. So the Office of Naval Research just refers to them as Mr. A and Mr. B. Sure. Yeah. From the way that one of them wrote, it was clear that they were an extraterrestrial They were like not of this world. I could not find the reasoning for that, but it seems like this person had knowledge of things that are not of this world. And and they also talk about different two different species of extraterrestrials in these notes. Which species? I don't. They they just make mention that there's two different ones. Oh, so. 
The text is all jumbly. The punctuation is weird. The capitalization is, like, not standard. These notes made mention of the Philadelphia experiment, which I think is probably what caught the Navy's eye. They also claimed that they had advanced knowledge of physics that could lead to breakthroughs in unified field theory. And they claimed that this specific knowledge came from one of two kinds of extraterrestrials living in outer space. So, intrigued, the Office of Naval Research reached out to Jessup to be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, you wrote this book. Do you, this, you're the only link we have to these people. Right, yeah. Do you have any idea who these people might be? Type of thing? Right. Jessup, at that point, was hooked. Because at this point, the actual government has gotten involved with the Philadelphia, what he has heard of the Philadelphia experiment. Right. But I don't necessarily know if that would mean that they're acknowledging it may or may not have happened. It's more so they're interested in the technology that these people say they have. Mm-hmm. Right. Whether or not that is the case, he became a believer at this point. Sure. One interesting thing to note, and this would be a point definitely against believing these notes and in the Philadelphia experiment, is that Jessup himself analyzed the annotations in the book, and he determined that all three of the people who wrote those notes were Carlos Allende. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I mean, of course. Right. Like. So to me, I'm like, dude, Jessup, um, think for a second here. Interesting, though, that Allende clearly believes it enough to do some sort of a weird hoaxy thing for the Office of Naval Research. Like, he's putting work into this. Yeah. So so it was more of a... Th- it, it wasn't just him contacting the author of the book. He was, like, trying to make other stuff happen by sending it yeah. to, like, unrelated parties. Right. Well, to related parties, the Navy. Right, right. But, like... Unrelated to the writing of this book. Right. It wasn't like he was bullying this author or just messing with him. He wasn't trolling. Right. Unless it's just a massive prank of some kind. Right. And we don't know. I don't know. The thing is, like I said, Jessup was hooked. The the fact that Allende wrote the notes didn't, from what I read, did not seem to matter to him because he ended up becoming obsessed with Allende's tale of the Philadelphia experiment. And he even attempted to write more books about UFOs. Not necessarily the Philadelphia experiment. But none of his books got published. Nobody would publish them. And his publisher actually ended up dropping him. He was blacklisted. Well, interestingly, and also sadly, Jessup ended up committing suicide in 1959. Almost three years later. Yep, an assumed suicide. So just three years after his first correspondence with Allende. Hmm. There is not much that I could find about this his death every different resource i read had it described differently so everybody is in agreement that he took his own life some people said that his research for the philadelphia experiment made him go mad and others said like things took a wrong turn in his life and his publisher dropped him and he got uber depressed it could have been one of it's interesting it's interesting though because in the conspiracy realm the obvious go-to would be he was suicided like the government yep, exactly. got to him because he was learning too much. Right. So, I mean, logically, he probably had some sort of mental break and killed himself. But there, maybe there's a reason his subsequent books never got published. Maybe he was blacklisted. And as part of the cover-up, the Navy interfered with the publisher, said, drop this clown. 
Right. And then had him suicided to cover it up. Who knows? Allende lived until 1994, however. He never recanted his story, and he continued to defend it until he died. So hmm. he at least believed it to his core. And if he didn't, he's real good at keeping up the story. So when you say he lived till 1994, this like people actually identified him. So yes. he was a, a real person with that name yes. being his real name. It wasn't like a mysterious person that couldn't be identified. Right. Now, for some unknown reason, the Office of Naval Research had 127 copies of that annotated book made. So they made copies. They made copies, and the copies were distributed by a military contractor called Vero Manufacturing. So they're called, like, the Vero Texts now. I'm, they're It's hard to find because there were only 127 of them made. But if this is so clearly a hoax, why did the Navy not just, like, toss the book and move on? Yeah, or, like, just file it and move on. Yeah, like, you know, like, oh, that's interesting. We'll make a note of it. We'll write a report, and then we'll, like, keep going. Why would you need to distribute 127 copies of the book yeah, around? Yeah, that is interesting. And why would they bother even contacting Jessup in the first place? That I understand a little more just because they're like, you know, we have to, you know, cross all the T's, dot all the I's. We're just going to check with you and see if you have any idea of what this is I, and why it was sent to us. I mean, I guess but I would think that by acknowledging that they received something like this, they're bringing more attention to it. If in well, fact, just to the author, though. Well, if in fact there was a military cover up, you would want. It nothing. I mean, like you wouldn't want to mention it to anyone. Just like let it die on its own. I argue that they're the ones who kept this urban legend going because Jessup, if they hadn't contacted him, was completely going to give up on the story. That's true. And I, I, I think it's more interesting to me though. Why would they feel the need to make 127 yeah. copies of this and distribute distribute it to you know their ranks or whatever they were doing? Right. And I can't imagine that the military wants to have a hand in spreading a hoax, or unless it's like a misinformation campaign. I don't know. But what was it that actually made them take this text? seriously so i'm assuming unless they were like desperate during world war ii for anything but, but this is well after that though this was, yeah, this was 1956 so this was during the cold war though so i'm yep. sure they were doing similar things because also mk ultra is happening simultaneously right i maybe a little later actually but i think it was like or did it end in the 70s i don't remember but either this is way like prime government weird testing experiment time. right definitely and i, I I'm guessing this isn't available. Like, you can't read it. Like, it's not publicly available to see what these annotations are. I could not find it. I couldn't. I will admit I didn't look very hard. <laughs> I, I imagine there's got... If people are aware that, that it, it exists, there has to be some sort of online record. Well, or, or was or it something. just... Was the fact of its existence just acknowledged in a report of some kind, but the actual text is not available? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it is acknowledged in multiple reports. Right. Yeah. I mean, the said, Navy makes so. reports about everything. So. Well, not UFOs until two years ago. But now UFOs have been acknowledged. It's true. So give them some time. I guess what I, my point is, this would have died on its own. It's more telling that the Navy paid so much attention to it. 
Yeah. If I was, if somebody came up to me with that story and was like, this happened, I'd be like, um, I don't think so. And then moved on. Especially if I was a member of the military, like with access to top secret information, you would have known if the Philadelphia experiment occurred. Right. So, I mean, maybe they're following up because the Philadelphia experiment was mentioned and, you know, they got to tie up all the loose ends. I don't know. It's just it's interesting that the United States government even acknowledged it as having happened or acknowledged it as the story even existing. Here's what I think. Hmm. If this is true, big if true. Mm-hmm. What if this whole stupid UFO report that just came out is literally just a cover up of technology that the U.S. military already has Dude. and like the Navy, you know, the the reports of like and the videos that are unexplainable. They were unexplainable to the people that witnessed them, but higher up ranking officers yeah. already know of its existence and they're like, just shut up and stop talking. About it 1000 percent would not surprise me if something like that were the case that it's unexplainable to us they continue to perpetuate the idea that it's unexplainable but really somebody knows something otherwise it is aliens somebody has i'm not, to, somebody... I'm not saying it's aliens i'm just saying what if the u.s military has the technology of self-propulsion right. like whatever saucers type stuff like but they're not telling us right it's it's, it's quote unquote covered up to make it seem like they don't know anything about it. Right. Would it surprise you? I think that's more likely than UFOs, honest or aliens. I mean, right. Yes. No, it definitely is more likely not like as cool, but I'm I'm just saying (laughs) if, if this Philadelphia experiment did happen and they did a really good job covering it up and making everyone seem stupid for even acknowledging it, Mm -hmm. maybe that was the start. Yeah. I don't know. Either way, the story lives on. Big if true. In the Yes, big if true. Yeah, I mean, it, it became such a big, like, cultural phenomenon that in 1984, like, a, a moderately bad movie was made about it called oh. The Philadelphia Experiment. And after seeing it, a man named Al Bielik came forward. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce his name. I'm, this is a, like, a guess. I think it's Bielik. Bielik? <laughs> He claimed that he was actually part of the experiment and he was brainwashed by the government to completely forget it. But it wasn't until he saw the movie that his repressed memories came back to him. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Make of that what you will. I'm sure. So what really happened on the SS Eldridge? What is the story the government's actually telling us? Yeah. We do have a bit more knowledge of it now because a man named Edward Dudgeon served in the U.S. Navy from 1942 to 1945. And he served on the USS Engstrom, which was dry docked in the Philadelphia Naval Yard in July of 1943 when the first experiment supposedly took place. He was an electrician on that ship and he was one of the people who did have extensive knowledge of the top secret experiment and why the generators were placed onto the ships. The actual experiment involved running electric currents around the entire hull of the ship to kind of scramble their magnetic signature. 
Sure. So maybe it's like harder to pick up on radar or well, like easily missed or something. So this is called degaussing and it doesn't oh, it doesn't make it. the ship invisible at all. It doesn't make it invisible to radar, but it does render it undetectable to magnetic torpedoes, which were right. very popular with the German U-boats at the time. Right. And, and so that's likely where the invisibility rumor came from. You're invisible to the to the magnetic torpedoes. I see. Hmm. Right. What about the green fog? The time travel. The appearance and the reappearance. And disappearance. And re-disappearance and appearancing. And the flux and capacitor. <laughs> 88 miles per hour. So How Stuff Works has a couple claims about this. They think that the green fog was actually likely due to an electrical storm or something called St. Elmo's Fire, which is a weather event that's created in a strong electrical field, which basically like allows plasma to be visible to the human, like. Sure. Yeah. And I suppose if you're messing with electric currents and stuff, sure. Why not? The the, El the name Eldritch just seems more and more fitting. Like Not Eldritch, like Eldritch Horror. Eldridge. Oh. <laughs> I thought you said Eldritch this entire time. No. No. Well, that's a little disappointing. Sorry. As far as traveling to Norfolk, Virginia, there are inland canals that could get a ship from the Philadelphia ship, shipyard to Norfolk, Virginia in like six hours that are not accessible to the public. Generally, it's a two-day trip, I guess, or a very long trip. But through these canals, you can get there speedy. I mean, not instantaneously. Right. But... That could explain, I don't know, Maybe. being seen in, in Norfolk, Virginia. And in more disappointing debunking news, the ship's captain, the Eldridge captain, says that there were never actually any experiments performed on the ship. And the ship apparently was never even docked in Philadelphia. It was in New York in the summer of 1943. That's what he would say. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So in 1951... The SS Eldridge was given to Greece. It was used in Cold War exercises, and in the 1990s, it was sold for scrap. Thus ends the mighty ship. I mean, it's obvious, it's obvious that the Philadelphia experiment is a hoax. It's at least widely regarded as a hoax. And that's probably true. But the weird reaction of the Navy to receiving the book is a little suspect. And the proof that it never happened is essentially Navy records and Navy personnel and Navy employees saying that it never happened. So, I mean, that, the military could have easily manipulated that. And if we're getting into men in black brainwashing territory. Right. I'm just trying I, to make myself I, believe I, this is real. No, no <laughs> I, I agree with you that it's a Almost certainly not the case that anything actually happened right. with the Philadelphia experiment, but that Navy's response or the research center or whatever, Interesting. their response to this book and making so many copies of it and contacting the author for information, that is weird. Yeah, it's they're a little more involved than you think they would be in something this outlandish. You reminded me of something, too. I was watching like a short little documentary about the Tylenol murders. Okay. Some some uh, pharmaceutical company was making Tylenol, and they just did a self investigation. Like they just <laughs> investigated themselves to see if it was from within their 
like factories or whatever or distribution centers. Sure. And determined no, it had to be someone in the store. Of so course. I just right. So I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> you said like the Navy investigated it themselves and all the proof is just from the Navy. Yeah, and the crewmen who have allegedly been brainwashed. So in the Navy. Here's another point against it being real, and I I just have to debunk this, but if this technology existed, like I said before, if there was a way to somehow be made invisible or invisible to enemy radar, there is no freaking way that the Navy wouldn't be working on it right now. Like, they would, that's not an idea they would just give up on if they had one. How would you know if they gave up well, on it? Well, here's the thing. If they, They're invisible. <laughs> I mean, regardless of any loss of human life, the government's going to go for it. They don't care. I mean, like, that technology is more important than the 50 I, I wouldn't say the government. I would say maybe the military sure. and the intelligence organizations, yes. Which are part of the government. I mean, I mean, at what they're point? Funded by the government, well, how do you, but it's not Congress doing this. Well, no, not pro- probably not knowingly, right? But the government's the government. Like, at what point do you extract them from each other? They're all working together. Mm. <laughs> I don't think they're working together. Either way, that's just neither here nor there. It's been eighty years since that supposed successful first test. Something related to that would be not common knowledge but that sort of technology or something that was created from the idea of that sort of technology you would think would be in use now by the military ufos right it's just it it's if time travel was actually discovered during the philadelphia experiment it, I, we it, it, we if, hear if, about it. I don't know if we would. If it if it is real, why would they tell us? Because I can only like they're trying to save it for weapon weaponizing it, or they're just using it. But how would we know if they're using it? Well, so that gets into the whole tricksy theories of time travel and right. mistakes and altering the fabric of time and right. space. No, I know. But even if that's not the case, and they're just literally traveling into the future and staying there, how do we know they did that? People disappear every day. I mean, now we could go back to injured cold and talk about living on other planets and the awareness of... Man, they're all connected. All of the little spookies are connected. Anyways, that's the story. It's the ultimate conspiracy theory. (laughs) I love these, man. I mean, you're going to hit me straight up in the face with proof that it clearly didn't happen, but like... You hit me in the face with that. I, right, I, I meant by you, the proverbial you, I meant you as in the internet, collectively. Who are you calling you people? The point is, there's always something in my mind that says, why does this even exist as a story in the first place? Where did it come from? That's the real conspiracy. Where did it go? I got a story. Okay. <laughs> this is in Taiwan. A 29-year-old unnamed woman reportedly went to a hospital emergency room after a violent fight with her sister that left her with two minor lacerations on the nose and under her left eye. Doctors examined her and even performed an x-ray, which didn't show anything out of the ordinary. The woman left the hospital, but as the days went by, she started to suspect that her wounds were more serious than she had originally thought. She started to think that something was stuck in her nose. So about a week after her ER visit, the young Taiwanese woman returned to the hospital and told doctors her new discoveries. A thorough examination revealed that pieces of chopstick 
penetrated her nasal septum, the wall dividing the two nasal passages, and she underwent a CT scan, which showed that she did have two large fragments of chopsticks embedded deep in her sinuses. After fighting with her sister? All right. Clever weapon. So one of the plastic chopstick fragments was about 1.4 inches, and the other was 2 inches long. She didn't notice that? No. Two solid inches deviating her septum? Well, here's the actual positioning of it. So after analyzing the positions of the foreign bodies and the wounds on the woman's face, doctors determined that those two small cuts were actually the entry points of the fragments, and interestingly, the chopstick pieces reportedly entered the woman's skull through the same route that doctors use when performing surgery on the ethmoid sinuses, which are located between the corner of your eye and the bridge of your nose. So it's like a little perfect area that I snuck in. This woman didn't realize that her sister was literally stabbing her in the face well, with chopsticks? It was a, apparently a violent fight, and they were hitting each other in the face and stuff, but she didn't know that she was using chopsticks. She just thought, like, her nails or something cut her face. But she, like, what? put chopsticks into her face quickly, I guess, and then, like, they snapped off. Oh, God. So she went to surgery, got them removed, no complications. But I thought that was interesting, because you can just live with plastic in your face that was just shoved in there i don't know how you wouldn't i i guess i've never had anything uh, foreign body in my face but it's not like it entered her brain or anything it just went into her sinuses so mm. I, I imagine if she did get sick or something that's probably when it would have gotten infected or something like if she had gotten a sinus cold. i just i feel like there is a difference in sensation from getting scratched and getting foreign bodies lodged in the face and why didn't the doctors notice that at first. Because the sinus is a cavity, so it just, did, like, it went into her face, and, like, it... it I hate you, that. If you, even if you feel the face, like, I'm sure they're swelling from the entry point, but, like, you're not going to feel it. I would rather talk about aggressive porkers all night than deal that, with... That was a fun story, wasn't it? <laughs> I, I imagine in the next year or two, we will have an update to the aggressive porker in Japan story. <laughs> um, but for now... They're just trying to get rid of them and move back to, what is it, uh, Fukushima? Is that the area in Japan? I'm not sure, but open hunting season. Yeah. For them aggressive radioactive porkers. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have a story to send us, whether it's in the news and you thought it was funny or a little spooky, or if you have your own personal story, send it our way. You can send it to our social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. They are all at NerdSlothHQ. Or you can email us at podcast at nerdsloth.com and leave a little spooky in the subject line. Yeah. Check out all of our other podcasts at nerdsloth.com. Yeah. Say thanks hi for, to everyone thanks else. Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully Everett has a tasty story for next week. I should be prepared next week and it will be a little bit different from what we've been talking about. Would it be a little spooky? Hell yeah, dog. Oh, hell yeah. Well, we will catch you next week, and we love you. All right, love you. Bye. Bye. Presented by NerdSloth. A place for lazy nerds. If you like what you heard, consider donating at patreon.com slash nerdsloth so we can continue bringing you quality shows. Be sure to also leave us a review and share your favorite episodes and clips on social media. If you're looking for more content, visit us at nerdsloth.com.